0: what is up welcome to another edition of the fantasy life podcast i am marcus grant joined by dwayne mcfarland and dwayne it is that time of the week again it is rankings time it is week 14. it is bipocalypse, by mcgeddon whatever you want to call it so no pressure on us right we just have to help people on a 16 week with playoffs on the line make sure they make the right decisions and get into the postseason no big deal it's just uh you know it's what we call what thursday basically
1: it's just another day at the (laughs) office Marcus, but you know, the beauty of it is like, we're making the same decisions. You know, that's one of the things that I really love about fantasy football for the most part, like all content creators are engaged, right. They're playing fantasy. Like, I don't think that you have to be, to be good. Like I prefer it. I think, you know, having skin in the game, you know, makes it, you know, something where, you know, you're just holding yourself, you know, accountable, you know, to the decisions and things you're making. And I always just, you know, I would be doing this research anyway, like that's the way I look at it. Like I've, you know, I got into this space just because I loved playing fantasy. You know, that's how it all came about. So it's a situation where literally all the research and everything I'm doing, you know, is driving and fueling like the decisions that I'm making. Now, they are not always right. Let's just be very clear. (laughs) There are definitely times where I wish I had taken someone else's advice. Rather than my own, uh, but you know, I do have a process that I'm trying to follow. So yeah, man, I'm excited. It's like, this is what we've been doing this the whole year for. And, uh, I get it. Like we're at that moment where the decisions matter more than ever, but that's really a why we play, right? We're playing to be at this moment where we can sweat this weekend. Are we getting into the playoffs? Are we advancing in the playoffs? I mean this is the part of the roller coaster. Like this was the climax to that, you know, I guess it's kind of backwards from a roller coaster, a roller coaster, <laughs> you have to get a really high hill first, right. To have the, the, the momentum for the rest of the ride, like for the fantasy season, like we're on the big hill right now. Like you can just mm-hmm. feel your click, 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 click. Like we're just going up those old school roller coasters where you think, God, am I really going to make it through this? <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see how this weekend turns out
0: yeah hopefully the ride is enjoyable for a lot of folks sadly for some people it's not you know somebody's got to win somebody's got to lose so uh we are here to help you make the best possible decisions uh again look, process is important i know people care about results but all we can do is give you the process and hopefully things turn out the way you would like we will go through the rankings which you can check out of course at fantasylife.com uh we'll also talk about some negative trends on guys also Josh Jacobs and whether or not the schedule is going to get to him. Uh, I know, Dwayne, you had a tweet about that uh, just a couple days ago. So uh, we'll get into Josh Jacobs too at the end of the show and whether or not he can continue to be Superman all throughout the fantasy playoffs. But let's start off with teams that look like they're really getting things together offensively just in time for the fantasy playoffs. And we talked a little bit about the Cowboys at the end of the last show, mostly in regards to Dalton Schultz uh, and what he is doing. But Uh, Tony Pollard has been very good for a while. Ezekiel Elliott has really started to pick things up uh, in the last few weeks as well. C.D. Lamb is there. Dak Prescott is getting hot. Uh, This team is just rolling. I mean, I know the defense really shined last week against the Colts, but uh, Dwayne, we can't let that overshadow what the offense is doing because these pieces look like they're starting to fit and really starting to click all at the perfect time for fantasy managers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, when you and I were kind of having our pre-show back and forth, you know, in in discord, we're chatting about which teams we want. It's not an easy list, you know, because there are a lot of teams we could put here. Um, We kind of tried to focus on some teams that maybe haven't been great this season. We've had seen some good spots. But really, over the last few weeks, we're seeing these signs of life like the Bengals could have easily gone here as well. But I think a lot of people know the Bengals are going to be good. Right. You've got Jamar Chase on your team. You've got T. Higgins on your team. You've got Joe Burrow. It's a pretty like it's a pretty straightforward story. Right. With those guys. However, when you look at a team like the Cowboys. We've got Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard sharing the backfield. Um, so it's a really big question. Um, we've got Dak Prescott living off of really, you know, big time efficiency. If you look at the Cowboys and actually both the teams we're going to talk about here, the way that they're going about kind of turning into, I don't want to call them offensive juggernauts, but like the, the positive trend we've seen over the last month or so with these teams, it really comes from their balance. Like both of these teams, you know, the Cowboys can run the ball. You know, they can help dictate, you know, the way coverages are going to play because that's a that's a huge thing this year. We've talked about it multiple times on the show. So I don't think that that is just, you know, um, a coincidence. These teams that are able to get things going, they can move the ball on the ground. And that does really all start, obviously, with the offensive line for Dallas. They're now getting Tyron Smith back as well. He may not play this weekend, but I mean, they're in a really good spot, you know, from that perspective. And I think the burning question really is, can Zeke and Pollard continue to coexist together? And it's a tough one because typically two backs splitting like this, this much, Marcus, can it can be hard, right? They can both negate one another, but I do think it can work here in Dallas. One, we know that Tony Pollard, you know, he operates with extreme efficiency. And we saw this last game, um, you know, where the last two games really since Zeke's been back, like his role, it's really kind of returned to what it was before, but it's slightly better. It's just better enough. If you will, that's probably not the best way to you know say that, but it's just, it's just enough of an uptick for Tony Pollard that he's, he's hanging around that 40%, you know, of the rushing attempts last week, he only had 34%, but that's really because the last drive they let Malik Davis just handle because the Cowboys didn't need to have either, either of their starters out there. So as long as he can hang around that 40% of the rushing attempts and he's between 40 and 50% Route participation, Pollard has the explosiveness to come through. I do think he still has some boom bust, but I, I think his bust is eight points, right? The problem is you can never bench him because the boom is still 30, right? He can just go hmm. off in so many different ways. He could score three long touchdowns in a game. He's getting carries inside the five. That's the other development that's really good for Tony Pollard here. All of those were going to Zeke earlier in the season. And then, like if we pivot to Zeke. You know, he's a guy that we had honestly, like I had pretty much moved into the to the RB three conversation, you know, around midseason. Then he had the injury. But really, like if we look back, you know, he's been really good <laughs> over the last several games. I mean, he's averaging 17.1 fantasy points, you know, over his last five outings. Like who knew? Like, most people would not be able to tell you that. So, right. I mean, Zeke really is a mid range RB2, low end RB, low end RB two at worst. Um, And I do think that the offense is dedicated enough to keep in the running game going that it can work, you know, and I think when you look at Prescott, he's he's just the beauty of it is like it's all complimentary, like he's building off of what they're doing. So he's not throwing the ball 50 times anymore, like we used to see a year ago, but the Cowboys still run a lot of plays and his efficiency has been really good. So like his yards per attempt are looking really well are looking really great. And the thing I like about it is it's not like Zach, like Dak is just having this season that we could have never expected. Like his yards per attempt are like still within reason. Like he's always been a really good yards per attempt player anyway, over the course of his career. It's just better right now. Listen to these Marcus eight point. So since week seven, when he returned, here is yards per attempt, 8.3, 9.3. He had a 5.8, but that game they got, you know, he had to throw the ball more 46 passing attempts, 11 he only threw the ball 25 <laughs> times in week 11, and he threw for 276 yards and two touchdowns. And then in week 12, 8.7. And then last week, you did have the perfect combination of still only throwing the ball 30 times, yards per attempt, 5.7. But they were operating on a short field, had five turnovers from the Colts. So those games will happen. But guess what? He still came through with the three touchdowns. So there's just so many ways for Dak to get there right now. And C.D. Lamb's just playing at, a, at an all-time high. Like, this guy is truly turning into one of the alpha receivers in the league. And, and you even heard about it. They, they really did a good job of talking about it last week on the broadcast. Like, they're truly moving Lamb all over. They're keeping him in motion. It's really hard for a defense to 100% just say, we're going to dedicate all of these resources to Lamb because the Cowboys aren't allowing them to. They're dictating how teams are having to cover C.D. Lamb.
0: You know, it's interesting because I know we talk about kind of that rule of threes, right? In in terms of what makes a good offense. And if you have three guys uh, that you have to pay attention to defensively, that that makes for a better offense. And I guess this sort of exists and, and sort of applies to the Cowboys, except that, you know, we don't always see Zeke and Pollard on the field at the same time. It's not impossible. It's just not necessarily the norm in this offense. So there are sort of three guys, but maybe not in the traditional way we think about it, which I also feel like applies to the lions because you've had jamal williams having an outstanding year deandre swift has really been uh he's come back to us in the last couple of weeks amon ross st brown has been great pretty much all season long so i feel like it's it's very similar in the sense that you have three guys not necessarily do you see all three guys on the field but jared Goff seems to be making it work and even if Goff himself hasn't been spectacular fantasy wise he's doing enough to feed the guys around him that we like having them in our lineups. Do you believe that this can continue through the next four weeks of the season? Can Jared Goff, at least if not, you know, be the, uh, the truck that kind of pulls this thing, at least be a trailer that doesn't screw it up.
1: Yeah, I, I do. I I think the lions are playing really well. I think they're getting healthy at the right time. You know, we saw Jamison Williams back on the field. Now they're probably still going to be slow with him, but every week, like we're getting a little bit more, right, of a of a potential electric playmaker that can do things down the field. And then you've got a complimentary player in DJ Chark, who had been injured. I mean, the Lions were really banged up, like they were without Josh Reynolds, they were without DJ Chark, they traded away TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift has been hurt. And we saw early in the season, what this offense is capable of, they can really come out and put out and put up a lot of points and jared goff is a good enough quarterback to really act more as like that old john stockton point guard right not the new point guards we're not talking the russell westbrooks the (laughs) triple double every night but you know he can dish it he can dish it out if you put him in a good scheme and you surround him with good weapons and i think we are just seeing the lions continue to ascend and i do think a lot of it ties back to what you just mentioned They've now got the one-two punch on the ground with Jamal Williams. They've got DeAndre Swift. And the beauty of Swift, right, is really what he can do in the passing game. You know, you've got Amon Ra plus Swift, and now a guy like Chark that can stretch the field. Jamison Williams can stretch the field out. You know, Josh Reynolds, more of a contested catch kind of guy. But, like, there's just a lot of different weapons now at Jared Goff's disposal. Um, And I think, honestly, like, Amon Ra... I mean, I know we talk about him every week, but it's hard not to, to be honest. <laughs> like, if you look at his last 17 games, I don't remember exactly what it was. Like, Ian Harditz had a tweet about it. Um, I actually did put it in the in the rankings article. And the rankings are up, so you folks make sure that you go check out the Rankings and tiers article over at uh, Fantasy Life. We've got all the reasoning behind guys that are higher or lower than where they usually are, you know, in the ranks. But just looking at Swift, like, I mean, not looking at Swift, looking at Amon Ross St. Brown... Like over the last 17 games, man, it's just been absolutely nuts. 167 targets, 127 receptions, 1,534 yards and 12 touchdowns. I mean, those are alpha numbers. This is not just some dude that, oh, well, he's a slot receiver. I mean, we comped him early in the season saying, look, like the ceiling is Cooper Cup. Like he's that good in the slot, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's where we are right now um and there's no stopping him because again kind of like lamb like they do everything they need to do with him they move him around everything else so he's in a good spot and then again with swift it's just what he can do through the passing game when you have a monra and then you have swift and you now have the field stretchers i think the lions are perfectly positioned
0: they really are in a good spot right now uh i I am also going to petition again to uh, my friend matt Harmon to upgrade Amon Ross St. Brown from Bud Light Cooper cup to something else. Like I feel like he deserves a higher quality beer attached to his name uh, (laughs) considering what he has done. And yeah, it's been interesting to watch him because, you know, remember there was that debate in the off season about whether or not what he did last at the end of last season was a fluke. And if he could keep it up and we've obviously seen that that this is who he is. Um, Michael F. Florio pointed out the other day that last year's, or this year's Amon Ross St. Brown is Amon Ross St. Brown, the guy who looks like he's going to get hot and put up huge numbers at the end of the season and maybe go a long way toward carrying a lot of people, uh, if not two championships, at least in a position to compete for a championship this year. Really interesting game between the Lions and the Vikings coming up this week. And if you want pretty much everything you want to know about it in just about every respect, whether it's uh, you know DFS, it's just regular season-long fantasy, sports betting, etc., go check out the Game Hub at FantasyLife.com. And it's it's kind of your one-stop shop for pretty much everything for each and every game. I mean, Dwayne, we've talked about this before, but I'm just always amazed. I just Sometimes I just sit and, not even stuff that I want to know, I just click around just to look at it because I'm just sort of amazed by the depth of information that these Game Hubs have. They are a wonderful, wonderful thing for people who haven't checked them out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if you, like, we were just talking about, you know, the Vikings and the Lions, like, you can immediately see, like, It all kicks off for the Lions this weekend. Like they're in a game, you know, with a 53 point total um, minus two and a half. And we've actually already got our bet in. So if you guys want to know who our pick is, I'll tell you who the pick is. It's the Lions minus two and a half. But if you want to know the why, all of that information is there. So that's the thing, honestly, that beyond the fact that it just does have everything together in a nice neat place like you, whether you're just wanting to know about the matchups whether you're wanting to know about fantasy implications whether you're just wanting to bet the game right or maybe you're playing pickem you know and you're doing something over on underdog um really everything's right there and it's easy to navigate simple projections are up so Everything you want is there. But what I love is the fact the analysis to back up the bets and to back up, you know, the reasoning behind why, you know, our experts are picking the players that they're playing, that they're picking or, you know, the team. So and it's a teach you how to fish kind of thing, because you'll start to notice a lot of the same themes, you know, between and, and I love looking at them because we have some really good people on our team that are really good at betting um, better than me at it, you know, <laughs> especially when it comes to picking games. So I absolutely use it
0: yeah so definitely go check that out uh speaking of which too you also mentioned the fact that uh, the point total is elevated for this one and what I found is amusing that somehow the 10-2 and 2 Vikings are an underdog to the 5-7 and 7 Lions. And so uh, if there's something you want to get in on that, you can go to BetMGM. Sign up using the promo code Fantasy Life, You can get a $1,000 risk-free first bet there. So uh, we're trying to give you the information. We're giving you a spot to make it actionable and, uh, you know, spice up your weekend a little bit though, when you're watching the NFL starting Thursday all the way through Monday night. All right. Let's get to the rankings for this week. Of course, you can check them all out at Fantasy Life. You got Dwayne, you got Waz, you got, you know, all this information here on who's up, who's down, maybe, you know, helping you make some very tough lineup decisions here. Start at quarterback. And you know, we were gonna talk about Dak. We're gonna talk about Jared Goff. I think we've sort of covered them, but let's talk about Kyler Murray, who You know, when I was looking this week and trying to figure out who are players maybe to avoid, to be concerned about, on paper, going up against the Patriots seems like it would be not a great situation for Kyler Murray. Defensively, New England has been pretty good all year long, but at the same time, Kyler has been so good that you feel like he is maybe not matchup-proof, but you don't worry about him quite as much. For you, how do you approach Kyler Murray's potential this weekend?
1: Yeah, with Kyler, you know... He's a guy that we would love to have included, you know, up top in the offenses like that could really click and make things work for you. We just haven't quite seen it yet, but we're starting to see glimpses of it. And it's kind of similar to what we talked about with the Lions. And and this is true for a lot of teams, like health is huge. And so for really the first time in the last game, we saw DeAndre Hopkins as well as Marquise Brown available. And so we're gonna have both of them. We'll see if Rondell Moore comes back. He did not practice on Wednesday um Zach Ertz is gone but James Conner can be an okay opera you know an okay option underneath in the passing game and then we've seen Greg Dortch actually fill in admirably for Rondell Moore so he's really got these different weapons that can make it all work right Marquise Brown can beat you over the top he's also shown that he's got a different gear you know this year playing great like he had a 31 percent target share in his first game back mm-hmm. so Then you look at deandre hopkins like he can beat any sort of man coverage he's the throw it to me doesn't matter if i'm open or not kind of guy that can help you move the chains and then you know when you look at a guy like greg Dortch, like he's more like the the guy that can work underneath and separate rondell Moore is more the athlete right you want to get him the ball in space and let him run after the catch so they have a lot of unique weapons and so i really like that for kyler i know we don't have a lot of trust you know in cliff kingsbury but the bottom line for murray (laughs) Really is just the fact that like, even though it hasn't been what we hoped, right. It hasn't been a Josh Allen type of season, like, cause that's really his ceiling. It hasn't been mm-hmm. a Jalen hurts type of see- season, but the ability's all still there. This is a guy that runs the ball plenty. So like, if we look at his rushing attempts over the last, you know, several games, 10, 8, 6, 8, 7, you know, he's had, in those games, a hundred yards, 26 yards, 36 yards, 55 yards, 56 yards. He's got three rushing touchdowns on the season. We know that the Patriots like to use a lot of man coverage. Teams that run man coverage are at great risk of a quarterback torching them, especially a guy like Kyler that really there's not many spies that can hang with Kyler, right? Mm-hmm. At least if you spy Josh Allen, you can maybe slow him down. He's probably going to truck your spy. <laughs> they <laughs> right. probably get to him. Like <laughs> Kyler is just one of these guys. Like you give him the right angle, like he can, he can go 70. And I think people forget that, right? There's not a lot of designed rushing attempts for him because he is a smaller guy. So I don't think they want to expose him to that kind of thing. So he doesn't quite get the rushing volume that we like. That we get from a from a josh allen or that we get from a lamar jackson or jalen hurts or you know justin fields right is the most recent one but Mm -hmm. like the underlying big playability is still there for him at any moment on the ground and now when you give him these weapons like there's still the possibility marcus that any game like we could see a 300 yard passing game and 100 yards rushing and four touchdowns like so it's really hard to ever push kyler any further than like out of the top eight or nine like it's just really a struggle for me because of that even though the patriots have shown to be a good defense but again it goes back to those weapons all those weapons that we talked about i I feel like they're uniquely capable of beating the patriots with whatever game they want to play the patriots are historically known for wanting to take away one player well the beauty for the cardinals is they've got multiple guys that they can go to specifically with hopkins and brown you can't take both of them away you can't double them both all game, right? I mean, I guess you could. Maybe that would be the right idea. But that's just a, that's a good scenario, in my opinion, you know, for Kyler. And he is a guy that could still potentially be a league winner, in my opinion. So, yeah, I've got him inside my top eight this week. Um, I, I just, I struggle, man, to find any way to have a guy that has the skill set he has and, and still not get excited about him, even though, and we say he's disappointed, but really, has he? Like, his floor has still been really good. You know, this is a guy still he's still scoring over 20 fantasy points per game, which is not an easy feat this year uh, with what we've seen with quarterbacks.
0: Well, and throwing the fact that he has yet to have all of his weapons healthy or available at the same time. Right. He started the year with New Hopkins on suspension. Hopkins comes back. Brown gets hurt. Brown comes back. Zach Ertz gets hurt. Rondale Moore gets hurt. So we still have yet to see this offense completely intact and yet somehow kyler murray's still putting up about 20 fantasy points per game i guess that's that's not so bad when you start to look at it from from that perspective joe mixon uh was able to practice on wednesday so it looks like he's trending in the right direction toward being able to play this week against the cleveland browns now the matchup is great because the Browns' run defense has been awful pretty much all year long um i don't know if we i can't remember if we talked about this or not but the fact that mixon is I think undoubtedly more talented than Samaj P. Ryan, but that offense just seemed to keep going. It didn't really seem to lose a step when P. Ryan was in there versus when Mixon was in there. But we know that if he is back and healthy, he is the guy. And I I think we just feel confident because we know he's gonna get that volume. The matchup is good. Things seem to be pointing up for Mixon as long as he's healthy.
1: Yeah, I think you hit on a few key things there. Number one, like we did have Zach Taylor just basically come out and put everything to rest yesterday. Uh, One, he's cleared concussion protocol, so he's going to play. But number two, he, you know, and it's funny, like you'll see coaches, like it's almost like they see the question coming, like, like they know, like the questions are going to be, is this (laughs) now a split between Mixon and P. Ryan? Like he just like, Nope. He's like, Joe Mixon's our star running back. He scored five touchdowns the last time he played. He's our starter. Right. Now P. Ryan's had a role all year. So P. Ryan will probably still have his role. um, But it's really just more as the long down and distance back. Right. Um, Now, I think there is potential that P Ryan carves out a little bit more of the passing game work because we had seen in recent weeks, Mixon had really picked up the two minute offense and that had been a, a positive develop development for him. I think overall the big positive development here for the Bengals, whichever running back is playing is the fact that they've just, they've been throwing the ball more to their backs. They have integrated their backs into the passing game over the last four games. So the starting running back for the Bengals here, are the target shares over the last four, 25%, 14%, 17%, and 23%. That last 23% is important because that's what Jamar Chase back in the fold. So it's really a, a situation where some of that can evaporate at any moment. Like Tyler Boyd can have a big game. Hayden Hurst got knocked out of the game last week as well. So him not being in there, it's kind of been a little bit of a musical chairs thing. But knowing that Joe Burrow is willing to go underneath with the football, even though he has these other great downfield weapons, Burrow really is that classic drop back and like, look, I'm going to let you beat yourself i'm going to take you know what you're giving me now he's still willing to push it in you know to jamar chase to t higgins when he needs to but for the most part like he's going through his progressions and like he has enough weapons that it's like fine you dictate i'm gonna have a weapon wherever you want me to go and lately the way defenses are playing them and again this goes back to the overarching you know thing that we've seen all year with all the shell coverage over the top like, if you can get your running backs involved in the passing game, you know, that can really be a positive thing. So I think that's good for Mixon. Um, You know, he hasn't been very efficient this year, Marcus. Like, it's mm. not good. Like, if you look at him out of 52 <laughs> backs with at least 60 attempts, he ranks 44th in missed tackles forced, 49th in yard, average yards after contact, and 41st in 10-plus uh yard attempts, you know, only 7.6%. The league average is 11.5. But he plays in a great offense. The volume is probably going to be there. So it's like... What are you going to do? Like, you know, I think Joe Mixon is ranked too low. Like when I look at industry mm. consensus this week, now, some of that's probably because people didn't know for sure if he's going to play at the beginning of the week, but I refreshed it this morning. Just to look, mm. I think people are too low on Mixon. Like I've got him in my top eight. Like I'm way ahead of consensus this week. And part of it also comes back to what you mentioned a moment ago. Like the Browns have just not been good, you know, against the run. So. <laughs> The Bengals are near touchdown favorites. Uh, it's, they've got a top 10 team total. Like every, It's one of those games where everything really does look to be stacking up for Mixon. I expect him to score at least one touchdown this weekend, and it could be a multiple touchdown game.
0: Well, looking forward to getting him back in the lineup. Uh, you know, I know it maybe stinks if you were starting Samaj P. Ryan, but uh, for folks who have Joe Mixon, it's, it's good to see him back. James Conner. A guy, another guy who maybe hasn't been super efficient this year. He's also dealt with some injuries. Now, you you talk about Kyler and still believing in his ability to to prosper, even against that Patriots defense. They have also been incredibly tough on the run. James Conner has not been quite as efficient. Are you as optimistic about James Conner this week as you are about Kyler?
1: Yeah, I think the big thing for me with James Conner, like I always will lean to the usage over the matchup right and i think that can be one of the things where i will be different in my rankings than others i overall the matchups matter to me the least out of everything mm. i care about their talent how often they're going to touch the ball way more than defense because defense is really tough you know from a you know a predictive standpoint like how much is really going to matter week to week now i will say james conner is a class if you will or an archetype of player that you know the talent profile is kind of meh like it's 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 above average like and he does there's some nice things about what James Conner does but it's mostly the volume and I will say those archetype of players can be a little bit more prone to taking a step back against you know a really good defensive unit my problem with the Patriots is I think they're a good defensive you know a run defense but it's not like they're just you know a stone wall I mean they give up 109 yards rushing you know per game um, that excludes overtime obviously um and i think it's going to be a close game you know i mean teams are averaging 26 rushing attempts per game against new england because things are staying close the patriots aren't a team that are even if the patriots win this game like do you see a scenario where they're just running away from the cardinals no. yeah i mean it's like it's probably going to be close and that's where vegas has it, it has it as a close game and so with all those things said I man i just it's hard to not lean into james connor's utilization like his snaps over the last four games 72%, 96%, 77%, 97%. Like, I mean, it doesn't really get better than that. Like, that's <laughs> right. a top three profile. Um, So, I mean, he's averaging 17.7 points per game this season when he eclipsed a 70% snap share. So, I mean, you're probably looking at 22 to 25 touches this weekend when you combine carries and targets for James Conner. Like, so I just... Uh, I felt that he was too low in most in most of the industry rankings that I looked at. So, I mean, I've got him as a borderline RB1. He can still finish easily as a mid-range RB1 just based on his touches alone.
0: All right, so James Conner in play this week. Uh, in Tampa, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette. Um, look, it's been Fournette's backfield essentially, but Rashad White seems to be closing the gap is this, is this good? I mean, I know you so let's go back to matchups, right? On paper, the matchup's not good against San Francisco. They just shut down uh, the Miami Dolphins last week, especially that run game. But now you've got two guys that are sharing the opportunities. Is this reason to be concerned about the Bucks' backfield?
1: Yeah, what we saw in this first game back was really, uh, it's kind of like what we talked about with Pollard, with Zeke earlier. Rashad White kind of went back to his role that he had before. So if you remember like back when we first started talking about Rashad white, you know, and it was week four and we're like, wow. And our exact quote was Rashad white, you know, not exact, but close was basically (laughs) overnight. Rashad white turned into Tony, into Tony Pollard's, you know, utilization profile, Mm -hmm. like, and he went to a 40% of the snaps, 40% of the rushing attempts, this was week three, 41% of the snaps, 43% of the rushing attempts, 35% route participation. Here's week 13 with Leonard Fournette back 41% of the snaps. 43% of the rushing attempts, 37% route participation. It's so funny, though, because when you go on social media, you will swear that Rashad White is taking over the backfield. People (laughs) see what they want to see. It cracks me up. And I'm not saying Rashad White won't be valuable down the stretch. I'm not saying Rashad White won't take over the backfield. But it's funny. If you go online, you like, and if you were a Martian, you know, and you just landed here and you joined (laughs) the fantasy league, you want to play on DraftKings tomorrow, you would swear Rashad White's the starting running back. You know on the buccaneers and had taken everything over so i i do think it it can be problematic especially in tough matchups like what you said we talked about zeke and pollard earlier well they're grooving in the right way number one it's a run balanced team there's more touches to go around for the running backs number two they've got a better offensive line because and and you know the bucks have a good offensive line they're just all hurt like the entire team is hurt right (laughs) and so when you've got a pass heavy operation that's also not scoring a lot of points and you're splitting up the carries. It can be problematic how they're both still coming through is really in the passing game. Um, And that is just, again, back to the coverage we're seeing. People are not letting Mike Evans get the ball. Mm -hmm. Mike Evans route tree consists of more down the field type route combinations and teams are taking that away. That's why it's all funneling to Chris Godwin underneath well, the backs are the next part, right? You know, so last weekend, like, even though Rashad Wyatt played a part-time role, like, you saw him out there with a 14% target share. Like, he can still end up with, you know, six to eight targets in a game. So I look at them, Marcus, you know, I'm curious on your thoughts. Like, I struggle, though, to make them any more than, you know, really, like, RB3s. It's hard to get them. They're close to the RB2 <clears throat> conversation this weekend because we've got six teams on by. But, like, just thinking pure rest of season... The way i'm looking at these two guys they're probably you know low-end rb2 high-end rb3 um you know type plays because they both do just enough to keep the other one from truly going off if i had to pick one though i would still go with fournette like like he's still the 60 40 leader in the split
0: right and that's the thing i feel like we talked about this last week too and, and you mentioned the same thing that that a lot of people seem to be sort of heralding the arrival of of Rashad White. And I know you and I just didn't see it because Fournette still seems to be the starter. He has the ability to play three downs if they want him to, and you're right. They do just enough to sort of uh, take food off each other's plate, but they also do just enough that you can't really ignore them in, in your lineup if you have one of them, because they are getting those opportunities there. I was on Team Fournette at the beginning of the season. I haven't really wavered from that, but, it is interesting to see how these two are starting to sort of be complements to each other there. It also is frustrating because this is not the high-powered offense that we had seen the last couple of years in Tampa Bay. It's just a different, different offense for a number of reasons that we don't necessarily have to get into in detail right now. Um, wide receiver, Jamar Chase is back. You're starting Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is great. Uh, how many more wonderful things can we say about Jamar Chase in the next couple of minutes? I'll
1: be honest. He's he's on the list just because uh, I didn't get to write or think about Jamar Chase for four weeks, and that's just a sad time <laughs> when you don't get to think about Jamar Chase for four weeks because he is an alpha. Like he's just he's an, he's amazing. T Higgins is really good too. Um, you know, so this is a great passing game. But uh, if you had any doubts about the health. You don't have to worry about it. Like right. he came back immediately and and posted a twenty seven percent target share in an offense with a lot of target competition, um you know, with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd, you know, with the running backs, we've talked being more uh, you know involved. Um, I, I know like when you look at the Browns, they've been a little bit better against the past than they have, you know, the run. But overall, like he has the sixth best matchup grade and eighty nine point four over at PFF. if you look at their wide receiver cornerback uh, matchup tool which I like because it, it blends like how often they think chase is going to face each cornerback. Right. Cause we know that most of the time shadows don't really happen. And so it's really okay. How often do we think chase will play against the left corner or the right corner or the nickel, or, you know, you could have a team that moves them around. And so, not that he even needs a good matchup, but I mean, if you're going to have, you know, a player that could get a 25 to 30% target share, you know, in a good matchup, like it's obviously, you know, a plus to your point, you're just going to start him. He was absolutely on fire, man, right before he got hurt. He he had two 32 plus point games back to back. And then he had the hairline fracture in the hip. So we could be right back on track for that this week. Like he could easily just be back to, you know, another 30%, 30-point outing, so always has the wide receiver one overall upside in his range of outcomes.
0: So you're happy to have Jamar Chase back. You're obviously starting him, and now you just ride the wave and hope that uh, he carries you through all the way to the next uh, four weeks there. Garrett Wilson looks like he is riding a pretty big wave, too. I, I said recently that his favorite quarterback is not Zach Wilson. It, it, you know, it, When it's when it's been anyone other than Zach Wilson out there, Garrett Wilson has found a way to prosper. And so, yeah, we're, we're excited about Mike White, but we're mostly just excited that Mike White isn't Zach Wilson and those targets are going to be there and they're going to be quality targets. I think that's, that's the important part of the way we always talk about guys getting targets and sometimes it's like, well, are they quality targets? I mean, is, is he having to do gymnastics to make catches? Uh, is he having to do all the work Garrett Wilson's getting quality targets now I feel like that goes a long way toward helping him be where he is.
1: Yeah, it's that old debate, you know, that I always like to ask like As someone, you know, you see the debates, especially in preseason when everybody's doing their their preseason rankings and you know, the one I always like to throw out there, I was like, "Well, what's a Patrick Mahomes target worth?" <laughs> right versus, mm-hmm. you know, a Kenny Pickett one. There's a difference. There's just a difference, you know. Yes, we care about talent the most, but you know, the quarterback, you know, that can can lead you into space, especially for players like Garrett Wilson. Like Garrett Wilson's game is built on speed, quickness, the ability to get open in these tight spaces and and create enough room. And if you've got a quarterback that can hit him, you know, at the appropriate time while that space that he's created is still there. And then the next level of his game can kick in right then that after the catch ability can turn on. If you've got someone just heaving, you know, 50, 50 balls, to a guy like this you know throwing it late out of his break like it just really doesn't help him in any way number one he's not a big player he's probably not going to win a lot of contested catches he, he's very athletic he probably surprises us in that area but it's not what you want him doing and then you negate his ability to really do what he does best best which is just really put defenders in a blender right after he catches the ball so um but man he is really demanding targets he's got a 27 percent target share better in three of his last four games wide receiver, 14 wide receiver, 76 wide receiver, four and wide receiver, nine. Like he is really cooking. This sounds a lot like a Monroe St. Brown, honestly, at the end of last season. Like, I think you, if you have Garrett Wilson on your roster and you've made it into your fantasy playoffs, or you're about to make it in this weekend, you're in a really good spot. I think you've got a player that can really do a lot of good things. And historically, like going back, you know, to 2011 and just ranking Garrett Wilson, you know, versus, you know, some of the other players. So if you look at it, like he's in the top, top echelon. Like he is up there with some of the best names that like we've really looked at, you know I mean? This year he already ranked 16th overall in yards per route run. And he's just recently been able to boost that because he's had a quarterback that what you just said can actually get him a quality target. Mm -hmm. He's been dealing with someone that can't target targets per route run 23%. So over the last two games with Mike white, 22 targets, 13 receptions, 257 yards, and two receiving touchdowns could have possibly been three and about 300 yards. You know, they just missed another huge connection Mm -hmm. last weekend down the sideline. Um, I know a lot of people are like, well, it's the bills, the bills, you know, they're the guy they, they shut down Mike white last year. And that's true. Mike white could, could regress. Like he's, he's kind of, he's on a high right now. He's got two games in a row where he's thrown for over 300 yards, but Mike white didn't have Garrett Wilson last year. Mike white, you know, didn't have the weapons that he has around him. Elijah Moore starting to play a little more. Okay. Like we'll just stop. Elijah Moore. We'll set him back aside. But like, I don't think Elijah Moore suddenly woke up and he's not good at football anymore. Um, but if you look (laughs) at the bills underlying Marcus, like, yeah, they have the number seven PFF, you know, coverage grade at 73.2, but that's down to 17th over the last four games and quality Mm -hmm. receivers. They have beat the bills up. So listen to this Mm -hmm. week 12, the aforementioned sun God, 10 catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Amari Cooper, week 11, eight receptions, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Week 10, Justin Jefferson, 10 catches, 193 and one. So again... This is one of those things where it can really be chicken or the egg. You go look at a team. Oh, man, they're really good against the pass. And then you go <laughs> look at all the receivers they face before they face these three. And you're like, well, no crap. Like anyone would probably good against the pass. But then when you face these guys, they've all gone off. And I think Garrett Wilson, you know, obviously, we're not putting him in Justin Jefferson's, you know, tier yet. But I mean... Amon Ross St. Brown, we wouldn't have put in that tier yet at the end of last year when he was doing what he did and look where he is. And then Amari Cooper, you know, has stepped forward and had a nice season this year, but he's not like a complete alpha and he had a huge game, you know, against the Bills. So I really don't, I don't care about the bills secondary. Like I'm leaning into what Garrett Wilson's done over the last few weeks. Like I have him as a wide receiver 15. Like I, I just keep, keep, I am, I keep on keeping on as far as just keeping him ahead of industry consensus, like every week. Like, I'm like the guy, like, just because he shows me something new every single week. And so, like, he's trying to push his way into the top 12, a rookie.
0: Yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been fun to watch Garrett Wilson. I know the season started with us wondering, you know, which of the two Ohio State rookie receivers we wanted between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And the answer was Yes. Uh, So that's been working out pretty well for us. Um, You talked a, a little bit about the Browns and Amari Cooper, and that first week with Deshaun Watson back was not a lot of fun. Now, the Browns ended up winning because their defense pretty much handled things against Kyle Allen and the Texans. But you would imagine going into this week against Cincinnati, they are going to need that passing game to step up and produce. Do you think it gets better in week two? Was this just Deshaun Watson shaking off the rust from not having played in two years?
1: Yeah, I think it's that, and 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 we can't guarantee, right, that the rust will just be completely gone, like, after one game. But I do lean in to the fact that Deshaun Watson was a really good quarterback for multiple years. Like, I, I just it, – it's tough for me to think that, you know, he just all of a sudden can't play. Could he have a bad stretch? It certainly could happen. I mean, where do you stand on it? Like, I, I, I struggle, like, to just assume that it's going to remain this bad. And, and Cooper, like – Even though, like, it it was a struggle, like, he had a season high 43% target share, right? So, we've seen some really good things with Jacoby Brissett, and the timing was obviously better between those two, but the targets were there this last weekend. Now, you mentioned earlier, like, quality targets. Like, you know, Watson has got to give him quality targets. What I noticed in the game, I don't know if you had a chance to rewatch it, it looked better in the second half than it did in the first half. The first half was terrible, like, everything was at Amari's feet. So, I do know I tend to lean in the fact that we've got a long resume with Watson and things will level out. I don't know exactly when, but I, what are your thoughts?
0: No. And I think that was for a lot of us, that was sort of the approach that I was taking with Deshaun Watson. When people asked me if they should be starting him in week one, my thought was, it's been a long time since he's been out there on the field and just emotionally, physically, you're just not sure where he's going to be. I didn't think it was going to look that rough uh, as it did, but uh, I also didn't think he was going to come back and immediately drop, you know, three hundred yards and three touchdowns. So I, I was you know, telling people to be cautious about it. Uh, I think that sort of bore bore itself out over the week. I don't I don't know that he comes back and gives you 300 yards this week but I do think it's a process where I think he gets better it's just the reacclimation to being on the football field and what you said I think is is maybe the most cogent point in that we have seen what he can do right we we saw those years in Houston and how good he was and we're talking about a guy who was a top 5 quarterback uh, when he was at his peak there with the Texans, and I don't think that just evaporates all of a sudden. But I do think it takes maybe a couple of weeks to sort of get him back on track. I think this is a week they will need him because the Bengals we know can score points, and they're going to have to try to match points with him. So I think that bodes well for Amari Cooper. I would I would feel a little bit more comfortable playing Cooper. Uh, I'm still not ready. You know, if I'm if I'm fighting for a playoff spot uh i'm not ready to to trust deshaun watson with that just yet just because he is still working his way back but i do think that it gets better for the guys around him and i think that that is the part to me that that is the most important this week
1: yeah i i bumped cooper you know down a little bit considering we have you know uh is it well five teams that are on by um you know he's wide receiver 18 for me so he's a mid-range wide receiver too like, he's really been a high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one all season, even on full slate. So he's a little bit down, and that's just, you know, accounting for there could still be a little bit of roughness to the game of Watson. And, you know, the Bengals are pretty good. Um, they allow the third-fewest receiving points per game, uh, you know, if, and that's in a PPR format and non-overtime play, you know, this season. So they've just also had a really good secondary. Um, I do tend to lean into the fact that it's it has a good chance still to shoot out, though. Again, like, I care more about players than I do matchups. But it's all part of the equation, so I think mid mid-range, mid-range wide receiver too. Just slightly, slightly toning down your expectations
0: around Amari. Hey, let's talk some Keenan Allen here because he's uh, back from injury and looking. Kind of like Keenan Allen again. I always say there's a handful of guys that that we really take for granted. Mike Evans is one. Keenan Allen is another. He's just steady. I mean, who doesn't want 11, 1200 yards? You know, six to eight touchdowns. That's generally what he gives you over the course of a full, healthy season. Um, and here it is. I mean, he's just a talented player with a very good quarterback in an offense that really isn't all that bad. Uh, it's just you know. I, I don't really have much great to say about him beyond that. I mean, it's just nice to have him back. And especially for people who had to wait weeks and weeks and weeks for him to get back in the lineup. It's just nice to see him healthy and out there again.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing for Allen is the health. We know he's healthy. We've seen three games in a row. Wide receiver 19, wide receiver 21, wide receiver 11. So, I mean, he's in that wide receiver two conversation, which is probably what you drafted him to be. You probably thought he was a mid-range wide receiver two. He's right in that range. He has a 24% target share over those three games. And, you know, he's also on a team that we know wants to remain pass heavy. Um, They're trying to fight to get into the playoffs. Like, I don't understand. I really don't. I don't understand how the Chargers can continue to lose these games. Like, I just don't. I don't (laughs) get it. It's like, I keep hoping and keep thinking, wow, this team really is talented. This team has a good quarterback. There's so many things that are positive. And no, we just keep getting these disappointments um, as far as their ability to post W's in the win column. But it's a matchup with the chart. I mean, with the uh, dolphins this weekend. So uh, it's another chance for them to step forward, Marcus, and maybe show us that they have something at a minimum. They're going to try to score points, losing or winning. They're going to have to try to score a lot of points. Um, It's a top two game total on the slate. So I have Allen as that mid range wide receiver too, but just knowing that like when you're getting the kind of targets and things he's doing in such a pass heavy offense, because a 24% target share, um, and, and say, for example, the Cowboys offense wouldn't be great necessarily, right? It'd probably be like five or six targets, a 24% target share on the chargers can be 10. So, I mean, there is a difference in the <laughs> offense that you're playing in. And so anytime you have a player like that, that can get 10 targets that we know to your point, underrated is a good player. Still, he can come through with hundred yards and two touchdowns at any moment. And so Keenan Allen really is a guy that needs to be in all starting
0: lineups absolutely in a game that as you mentioned the chargers are going to have to score points to stay in there with the dolphins so that likely means them uh throwing the football if not to austin eckler then to keenan allen uh, having both of those guys be very involved this week pivot to tight ends and mark andrews has you know missed some time with an injury and just really has not seemingly been the same it's been I mean, he's been kind of just like an average tight end since he's come back and not the guy that you probably spent a very high draft pick on Now he's not going to have Lamar Jackson at least for the next week or two, uh, possibly up to three weeks. Do we still believe in Mark Andrews, even with Tyler Huntley at quarterback?
1: Yeah. So, Andrews, uh, there's something to uh, it's just, it's got to be health related, Marcus. Like, so, I mean, if we go back to like the early part of the season, you know, and week two gave you 25.7 fantasy points, week three, 28.9. Had a weird dud in week four, and he wasn't targeted a lot. So, probably just a defense completely trying to take him away, 3.5. Then in week five, though, bounces right back with 22.9, week six, 23.6. At that point, it was still really 1A, 1A, him and Kelsey. (laughs) Like, Kelsey was still the guy there by ranked one, but there was a tier, right? And Mark Andrews was still in it. But since then, in that game, he picked up um, a knee injury, and then he came back and played anyway in week seven. And he was out there for 91% of the routes, but he scored 0.4 fantasy points. Like, he clearly was not himself. so he was on the injury report with a knee injury then they shut him down for the following game with a knee injury and then he came back questionable um for the next game and so here are the last 3 games he's been out there plenty route participation is 97%, 95%, 88% and also the targets haven't necessarily been bad either like for a tight end actually these are still elite target shares 26%, 24% and 22%. So my thought process on Mark Andrews is pro- he's probably just event. Now, who knows? There are sometimes these guys suffer injuries, and we'll hear about it after the year. You know, that's usually when you hear about it. They're right. told not to talk about it to the media. So what will happen is you'll hear them because they also want to. At that point, they want to be like, "Look, guys, I know year was kind of down. I was playing with a a, a, a a small tear in my MCL." Like right. there could be something like that going on with Andrews, but more likely like it's an injury that hopefully he's getting better right as we go along. And so I do still think like I wanted to put him in the article today, just because I, I know, look at, to your point, it's been frustrating. You've just got a normal tight end. You don't have like, you know, Superman, you know, in the going, you know, through the turnstile, you know, doorway <laughs> and then he comes out and, you know, he rips off, you know, his, his trench coat and he's got on a Cape. Like you don't have that anymore with Mark Andrews. And so it was a big advantage early in the season, but if you have him, obviously you're just going to keep starting him, and there is hope. Like he's he's playing well enough to still demand the targets. He's just not getting all the yards afterwards. And then like the last thing I would say here, you know, as far as Tyler Huntley goes, um, like I was just looking at a tweet a minute ago before we started, like because I, I knew you know there's certain things you know you can just go search Twitter. You're like I don't even need to look this up. Like it's going to be on there. <laughs> I just search Mark Andrews, Tyler Huntley, and Matthew Betts has us covered um that's at the fantasy pt he also does mm-hmm. some cool stuff with injuries like he's a great follow but here are the uh games with tyler huntley eight receptions 73 yards on 10 targets 11 receptions 115 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets 10 136 and 2 on 13 targets 6 89 and 0 on six targets and then eight for 85 zero touchdowns on 16 targets so he's gonna see the targets like the targets are probably coming we just need andrews to come through with a little bit more efficiency after the catch and you know a touchdown and that's that's the easiest way for a guy like mark andrews to get there like when you listen to the targets i just gave you would you be surprised if we're talking next tuesday we're doing the show and it's oh wow eight for 85 and two instead of eight for 85 and zero (laughs) so like and he's a guy he's just due he really is due the volume is still there
0: Well, and when you consider the state of the Ravens wide receiver core, um, there aren't a lot of places to go with the football. So Mark Andrews seems to be in line for uh, a, a big opportunity this week. A um, couple other tight ends. Uh, I saw you tweeting about uh, Chikazim Okonkwo. I'm sure people have seen the name and they're like, hey, yeah, that guy uh, on their waiver wireless that they're scouring. Uh, I know you like him as a sleeper. And Daniel Bellinger, uh, who is back, it appears, uh, for the Giants as a bi week streamer. Uh, I mean, I know this time of year we are really just hoping for upside. And these are a couple of guys who seem to to have that upside for people who are you know hurting at tight end position
1: yes we are all hurting for upside we're upside all hurting so we're all together we're you know this is a unifying <laughs> moment um you know we can all sing this song together but yeah i mean with okonkwo like the really interesting thing is after Traylon burks was injured last week on that great catch in the end zone he got the concussion you know he scored the touchdown it reminded me marcus of that playoff or the i can't remember if it was a wild card game or the 49ers were trying to get into the playoff. i think it was a wild card game against the packers in like 98 or 99 and Terrell Mm -hmm. Owens goes up between those two defenders and just gets totally crunched, but hangs onto the ball. He didn't suffer a concussion. That's what that Burks play reminded me of. It was just so interesting because Burks like on the high end of what I thought, you know, his outcomes could potentially be watching him and looking at his data from college. It was like, you know, he could turn into like, this is a big dude that can run after the catch. That's Terrell Owens. You know, Mm -hmm. Owens was never like the super duper route runner. But he was a guy that, you know, you put him on a slant, you put him on crossers, you put him on deep ends off of play action, you get him a little space, you get him a little bit of room, very, very tough guy to bring down, can win in contested catch situations. So I thought that was really good for Traylon Burks. But the the interesting part of where I was going here is once that injury happened, we actually saw Okonkwo up to 78% route participation. Mm. And so the Titans had to turn somewhere and they really turned to their what had been their number two tight end behind Austin Hooper. So I think that says a lot about him. Um, if you look at that route participation, that's really good. So if we have Burks out of the lineup this weekend, I do think there's potential. We could be falling into the Albert-Oquibunum um, <laughs> trap saw, here. I
0: saw you tweet that. I was, I was filled with equal parts hope and fear when <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I, think, I
1: mean, maybe we could call it
0: Okwibunum'd here from here on out. Like it flows. Okwibunum,
1: you've been Oquibunum. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, um, I'm down with that, <laughs> but I mean, all we can do is go with the data we have. And so when you look at, you know, the tight ends that have at least a hundred routes this season, he's looked really promising. His targets per route run 25%, that ranks third. If you look at his yards per route run 2.75, that is first. And then his PFF receiving grade is 79.5. That is fifth. And so if you historically go back and comp all of those numbers, it's not just a this season thing. Those are numbers that would put you as a high-end tight end every single year going back to 2011. Now, again, he's still got work to do. He's still got to earn, uh, you know, more opportunities. But we could have a scenario this weekend where an injury forces his way into more opportunities. Now, I will tell you this. I wouldn't go crazy with, with, you know, with Okonkwo, I think if you have Burks out, I move him into the upside tight end two group, right? Mm-hmm. I, I got some questions yesterday. Hey, do I bench Kittle for him? And my thought there is like, <laughs> look, I get it. Kittle's been disappointing. But if we're, we're talking about upside, these are upside swings. There's not really a, you, it's hard to make an argument against Kittle in any upside case, right? Once right. you get past the top guys, because we've seen Kittle so many times. To- How many times has Kittle come through with a hundred yards and two touchdowns? way more times than we've ever seen, you know, from O'Conquo. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's, a, it's a scenario where I like him. If Burks is out and you're in a situation where you're, you know, you know, you need the upside and it's like him or Tyler Conklin. Then, yeah, I'm going to lean to the rookie. Right. I'm going to go with the guy that's flash, you know, if Burks is out. But again, it could be risky. It could have just been a matchup thing. We could see Burks not play and him still only see 25% route participation. We don't know for sure what they'll do.
0: Right. um. So, yeah, we'll see if Okonkwo is there. Bellinger, sort of the same situation, just, uh, you know, looking yeah. at potential, potential participation here.
1: Yeah, Bellinger's is a little different. Like, I don't think he has the athletic upside, right, of Oconquo, but he has he has the more defined role. Mm-hmm. You know, he had that really brutal eye injury where he got poked yeah. in the eye several weeks ago um, and he's missed time. You know, he had to go to the hospital for that. Um, but he is back. He's he's got a cool visor out of it. Like, he's, yeah, hey, you're looking good. You're looking good, Bellinger. You look more intimidating on the field. I like it. You're putting off a good vibe for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had an 83% route participation and an 18% target share in week 13 in his first game back. Um, you know, so he is the starter. Um, and we've talked about the Giants before. It's not like we love the passing game, Marcus, but Darius Slayton has shown like he's kind of he's a wide receiver three, like, and he's been consistent. There's room here for one more guy, especially a tight end like where you've talked about. It. It's a wasteland like this guy could be a low end tight end one the rest of the way, like because the bar is lower for the tight ends. And he's a guy that we know is going to be on the field. So I ha- I have him as a mid as, as a mid range tight end, two. But the utilization is good enough that like he could definitely finish as, you know, say over the next four games, we could look up and be like, oh, Daniel Bellinger was the tight end nine, like over that stretch, like the usage is there.
0: Yeah, and that's that's sort of what you want from a tight end at this time of year, pretty much all year long. You just, just want, want guys anything. who are on, just want guys who are on the field and have the ball thrown in their direction every once in a while. And and right now he kind of fits that bill there. So if you want more on rankings? You can go check the whole thing out at FantasyLife.com. Be sure to go do that. And uh, while you're there, subscribe to the newsletter as well. We would certainly appreciate it. Uh, before we wrap this thing up, uh, I, you tweeted the other day about 2017. Said you had a team with Le'Veon Bell, Kareem Hunt. Todd Gurley, and you ended up losing uh, in the FFPC because of a late season surge by Dion Lewis. And you warned folks with Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler not to get too cocky. Let's talk about Josh Jacobs, because he has been on absolute fire the last few weeks. He's been great all year long, but he seems to have turned it up a notch the last couple of weeks, especially. The schedule, though, does him no favors. He's got the Rams uh, on Thursday night. Uh, No Aaron Donald, so maybe that helps. He's got the Patriots. He's got the Steelers. He's got the 49ers to finish out the season. That's the bad news. The good news is, Dwayne, that whole offense in Vegas just seems to be Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. So uh, this I feel like is putting your, you know, your usage versus matchup uh, process to the test. Do you Mm -hmm. believe Josh Jacobs can maybe not 150 yards a game, but at least keep it going to the point that he's helping fantasy managers the rest of the way?
1: Yeah. And so when I look at matchups, like what I'm looking for, uh, like are extremes, right. And none of these games by themselves are extreme, but when you get all four in a row, like it does increase the odds, right. That, you know, Jacobs is going to have a bad week here or there. Um, just because you get bad matchup after bad matchup. Um, if you isolate any one of them on any given slate, it's not going to be enough to make me just be like, Oh man, Josh Jacobs is moving down to RB 12. No, you just said <laughs> it. He's getting all the touches and he's playing great. That's the thing with Jacobs. It's, I get it. The volume is there. People didn't expect, but pe- people like when you're talking about Jacobs, go ahead and take the next step in the conversation. He's also been a badass. Like he's yeah. playing great. Like yeah. he is the number one, great at PFF running back right now. Like he's breaking tackles. He's getting yards after contact. He makes people miss. He's been a surprise plus on the passing game. Like he's doing everything he needs to do. And the usage is there. So if you are the Jacobs owner or the manager, like, You're not really worrying about it. You would rather it be, you know, you'd rather look up and see like, you know, four complete cupcakes at the end, because you know that, you know, maybe two out of the four, he goes completely bananas. Now you're probably just, you know, you're hoping to avoid a bust in any one of these, especially if you're playing in something like the FFPC, which if people Mm -hmm. haven't checked it out, it's awesome because if you win your league or if you lead your league in points, basically you go into a pool at the end that goes over weeks uh 15 16 and 17 it's a three-week point race so you start with your average points for the season as your week one score and so even if you've got a team at the top that's outscored everybody else by 30 which would be a lot Mm-hmm. One game like can erase that 30 point lead that that team has created. I've been there. I've been in the top three and then look down and be like, wow, my team was really good. And now I'm in like, you know, 700th place. It's like a <laughs> DFS tournament. You know, you're like, oh man, I'm stacked. Oh, no, I'm not. Like, you know, it's, it's cool though. It's just, and it's such a, it's a cool sweat because like now it's a $500,000 purse. Their main events, a million dollar purse. Like these purses wow. have gotten so huge. But when you look at a, at a contest like that, you don't want to see those back to back to back to back bad matchups because you know there's still that just again, it just increases the chance that he could flop, but he's still Josh Jacobs. So you're gonna, you would take him pretty much over anything else if you were still given the option today.
0: Absolutely. And you know, that's funny because when he was drafted originally, people were very excited about him and what he could be. And it just seems like it's taken all these years and a coaching change for the Raiders to kind of figure out what. The rest of us uh, you know, apparently saw the moment he got drafted, yeah. but it's nice. What it's were you, nice that it's finally to come.
1: What were you doing,
0: John Gruden? Like, Seriously. I mean, what the hell? <laughs>
1: like, you <laughs> spent a first-round pick on the dude. One of the only, looking back, maybe the only first-round pick you've ever hit on in your life. Yeah. You're Mike Mayock, and you put the guy into a committee with, look, I'm a Texas Tech fan. I have tuition money that goes there for my son. You know, but, <laughs> you know what was the running back? DeAndre Washington. Is mm-hmm. that right? Am I saying yep. the right one? Yeah. Yep. Like splitting time with him, you know, uh, who was the other back? Uh, Jalen Rashard, you know, got to get all these little guys, you know, got to get all these other pieces of man, dude, just give the ball to Josh Jacobs. What were you doing?
0: Come give on. him the ball. He's, uh, he's already, he's already you know, on pace to crush his uh, you know, career high in receiving yards. Um, you know, he's already got his career high in, in rushing yards, probably going to get a career high in touchdowns. Uh, he's been amazing this year and uh reminds me that if you see somebody who gets an inordinate amount of snaps in the hall of fame game next year maybe we think about drafting them (laughs) high too
1: talk about the biggest overreaction in the history (laughs) of fantasy football seriously like a micro like an Island game, the first Island game we get. <laughs> so Island games are always worse, but if they're early in the season and if it's the first thing, we're all waiting. Everybody's doing projections, projections, projections. You get one data point and everybody just freaking lost their
0: mind. I mean, like I, <laughs> he was, he was going to be traded or cut. I mean, it was like, he's done like nobody wants him. Uh, and now he's, he's one of the best fantasy backs, one of the best running backs period. Uh, I've had LA people hit period. me up. They're like, I still had
1: him ranked as my number one RB in the season. And I'm just like, I, I'm like, Oh, congrats. Prove it. I have no clue what your process is, though. It's prove, probably not prove good. It. <laughs>
0: it's yeah, probably sure. not good. It's probably not good. Absolutely. So. Prove it. That's that's what I want. I need to see receipts before I before I buy into that. Uh, We got plenty of receipts, though, for you over at FantasyLife.com. We are showing our work, whether it is looking at the rankings, whether it's the game hub, all that stuff. So be sure to go check that out uh, when you can to help put together your lineup for a big week uh, across all of fantasy football. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us here on the Fantasy Life podcast. For Dwayne, I am Marcus. You all take care of yourselves. Enjoy week 14. Best of luck trying to get into the postseason, and we will talk to you next week.